Hello, my soul-seeking friends. It's Shanna. Thank you so much for listening to Sense of Soul Podcast. Enlightening conversations with like-minded souls from around the world, sharing their journey of finding their light within, turning pain into purpose, and awakening to their true sense of soul. If you like what you hear, show me some love and rate, like, and subscribe. And consider becoming a Sense of Soul Patreon member, where you will get ad-free episodes, monthly circles, and much more. Now go grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Today we have with us Iona Jenkins. She is an author, creative writer, and poet with an MA in education. Along Iona's journey, she has been a hypnotherapist and counselor, achieving many accreditations and professional diplomas. And she even taught French. And since her journey has led her to a land more relaxed, a creative life, her long-held dream of sharing vision of beauty, harmony, and peace. After meditating with Tibetan Buddhists in London, then studying mindfulness, Iona found herself a spiritual home with the Order of the Bards, Ovates, and Druids. She is also a companion of Chalice Well, supporting the trust ethos of many paths, one source. She's joining us today to tell us about her beautiful poetic book, to sing with bards and angels, an invitation to travel through landscapes invoked by beautiful language into heart of nature and imagination. And she likes labyrinths, and I can't wait to hear all about that. So welcome, Iona. Um, Hi. Hi. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> well, you're awfully pretty, Iona. <laughs> Is that your assistant? Uh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Hi. Assistant husband. <laughs> nice to see oh, you. Nice to see you too. I'm very excited to have a conversation with you. Yeah, me too. I had a, a listen to three of your um, The Sacred Feminine Goddess podcast. I really enjoyed it. And Bridget, of course, is very special to me too, being um, a, yeah. following a druid path. I've got a St. Bridget's cross on my wall. Yeah. I actually had ordered one from. Ireland. So the Druids celebrate the eight the eight festivals of the year. And Imolk, of course, is the first fire festival after the winter solstice. And that's when the snowdrops appear and the, the, the first little flowers and the promise of spring and the lambs. You know, so it's quite it's really quite special. And she was special to the bardic grade of the Druids, the poets, the storytellers, the actors, the musicians, the people that kept the stories and the legends alive uh, around the campfires in old Celtic times. Now, of course, modern bards are a little bit different, but some people still like campfires. You know, that, that's how that works. She's a goddess of poetry, creativity, healing, and the smithy was in olden times. And she's related to animals because of the new birth, of course, which you already know. And her color is green. <laughs> and, you know, and it was so unbelievable because my daughter had kind of seen her uh -huh. first before me. My, actually, my little girl, she has seen almost all of the things that I've experienced right before me. How old is she? She's 11. Wow. 
That's yeah. brilliant. She brought that with her, obviously. She mm. just mentioned something like she did with Bridget. She said, oh, I have a new angel that visited me last night. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, and she said, yeah, she has a long green dress with burgundy trim and oh, long right. red hair. And I was like, oh, and then I had learned of Bridget right after. And so I was looking at the pictures of Bridget going, this sure does looking like what my daughter just <laughs> Yeah. It's amazing what they come out with. Gosh, one of my favorite movies, and I hope that you know it, is Labyrinth with David I don't Bowie. know it. I don't know it. <laughs> my favorite. My kid's favorite, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah I don't know it. And actually, it was probably about five years ago. She was probably like five or six. And we went to this gemstone store Mm -hmm. and the woman who worked there actually ended up being, I didn't know, but she was the high priestess of Denver. That's where I live, Denver in Aurora, Colorado. Okay. Yeah. But I didn't know this at the time. And she kind of had a creepy voice. I'm going to be honest. She was like, my, aren't you pretty? You know? (laughs) (laughs) And then she tells my daughter, well, you look just like a fairy. So then she opens this book and she says, look, right here, you look like this one. And then she told me the artist and the artist mm-hmm. happened to be the same original artist for Labyrinth. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. I was like, I remember that fairy in that movie and she was biting people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but there again, more folk tales and stories that are passed down. Um, yeah, and I guess that's a quest to um to rescue the child, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's kind of felt that yeah. way. <laughs> yes, all on that quest to rescue the inner child. Right, your inner child. Oh, that is so true. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, where do you live at? Um, I live on the south coast of Wales. Okay. Um, you know, I don't know if you know much about the UK, but it's divided into different countries. It's the United Kingdom of. England, Northern Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. And we're in the Southwest. And um, our symbol is a, a red dragon on a flag. Now, I'm actually English, but my husband is Welsh. Oh. And I'm sitting on a cliff here. I've got the sea. If I go and I live in a flat, but if, I guess you call those condos. I go to the door. I can open my patio door. And I'm on a balcony, and the sea's right in front of me. And I can see right across the sea to the shores of England, you know, because it dips in there. And then England juts out there, and you can see over to the shores of Somerset in England and King oh. Arthur country. My gosh. <laughs> that is so amazing. And that's where I found the angel in the moonlight on the sea just outside my window. Okay. You know, and I've had many conversations with the moon. Some of my favorite times have just been me and the moon. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. Well, the angelic kingdom is very resonant with the sacred feminine and that she works through them. And the inspiration I get from the angelic kingdom is actually what the sacred feminine wants. Now, if you, I don't know if you had time to read the article I sent over to you I this did. morning. Uh, about you and feeling the energy of the divine feminine right there in the Vatican, huh? I found it in the brush strokes of Michelangelo. And actually, he was named after the Archangel Michael. So there's something in that, really, I think. Yeah. Um, and then a sacred well in Cisterna di Latina, which is uh, 40 minutes by train outside Rome. 
going south towards Naples and just sitting outside. There is a sacred well there by the church, but sitting outside, the whole thing seemed to come together, you know, the ancient bards, the poetry. I've been writing poetry for a long time, but I didn't do anything with it until we moved to Wales. And then when I started to follow a Druid path, I really started to think about putting it out. And that's when I started to have some success with poems in magazines. So I thought, well, I'll write a creative book. I'll be a real bard. Now, I'm not going to go and sit around a campfire. What I'm going to do is write in a creative flow mm-hmm. so that I write my descriptive prose as always but it comes as a flow and it takes in my travels which is what you've been doing is following your travels follow my travels through my life but my life is 73 years long you know so it goes back a long way so I couldn't write it all but I just wrote in the flow whatever came up I thought I'll write and then I had instructions from the angel on the full moon through the moon goddess. It all seemed to be coming together. Since I've been doing this podcasting and, and writing articles, I've come across a lot of women who are actually strong in the soul, who are actually working with those new age energies. And it's really brilliant because I found a lot of other women doing that. Um, yeah, I would <laughs> say so. I believe yeah. The divine feminine is rising. She's no longer hidden or suppressed or, you know, buried in the Nagamadi or wherever. No, she was shouting through the, shouting from the Sistine Chapel ceiling. (laughs) They didn't have Pope Francis then, it was Pope Benedict. But I noticed Pope Francis has been trying to, you know, get women a bit more involved and and get rid of some of the injustice. It's it's small beginnings, but it's a start. I do have a vision. I'm not a Catholic anymore, but I do have a vision of there being female cardinals sitting in that conclave at some time in the future. Now, I don't think it's in my lifetime, but it is coming. You just wait till we get a pope that has a little friendly girlfriend or something on the side. (laughs) And all of a sudden, you know, they're all getting married. No more celibacy. (laughs) Yeah, the the one we've got has made a few changes. He stopped Mary Magdalene being a prostitute. Um, There are female deacons now. You know, he's working on the the sexual abuse of women and children, and he's actually made some inroad into that, so good on him. But then he's (laughs) named after St. Francis, who was a rebel in his time. Yeah, and you know what? I don't know how. I think I was led somewhere from your, your post that you sent me, your blog post, and I came across just the most beautiful thing that really hit my heart about the Divine Feminine as well. And... It says, the divine feminine goddess meets everyone equally and exactly where they are Mm -hmm. in much the same way as the labyrinth or chalice well. She Mm -hmm. reflects the soul like a mirror, an image of the moon on water, the goddess. Mm -hmm. I mean, the vegetation in the form of the garden might also look different according to whatever aspect the feminine is currently flowing through someone's life first of all my whole body right now is tingling from my fingertips my knees are tingling right now (laughs) um I have goosebumps when I read that it was so much of my journey too Uh uh-huh whilst I was reading yours this morning I felt quite a strong resonance I thought this is the same path. We write it differently, but it's the same path. I mean, 
in my episode where I, I kind of give my perception of the cosmology of mm. creation and of Sophia, and you probably haven't gotten there. It's like maybe the seventh or eighth episode mm. or so. I have a vision of the pistis Sophia, which would be the lesser Sophia, looking mm. into a body of water and seeing herself, but okay. seeing a light. A yes. light. She doesn't realize that it's herself. Mm. And she jumps into the light. And this is how she ends up falling into the third dimension. Mm-hmm. And the chalice well, and, and you know, you mentioned that as well as well about the well, you know, these very sacred wells that are all over, we have springs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, that's good. It's just no one's put a well around them. That's same, same idea though, isn't it? Yeah. And actually they're very sacred hot springs. I one time Mm -hmm. heard a story from someone say that they would be at war or whatever with each other and then they take a break in the hot springs mm. together and then they go back to war together against each other oh <laughs> <laughs> sacred but, healing water and well except for the fact that they smell like egg that oh, is true okay <laughs> <laughs> but you know, i had discovered that my name shannon means the the possessor of hidden wisdom oh wisdom, you know and so i learned this during sophia wisdom being sophia and then I went further and I found that there was a goddess Shannon. I'm like, how many Celtic goddesses are there? Good Lord. <laughs> but her story is that she jumps into the well looking for wisdom. Okay. And so that was, and I here I was jumped into some sort of hole trying to find the goddess Sophia. So, but there is so many goddesses and so many different mm mythological figures and archetypes aren't there Mm -hmm. there's a celtic legend it's irish about a sacred well with nine hazel trees growing around it now i can't always pronounce the irish name so i won't yeah Um, but the nine hazel trees um drop their nuts into the water so the hazelnuts go into the water where they're eaten by salmon then whoever catches the salmon and eats the salmon becomes wise so you know there's a well there and the the salmon of wisdom that people can eat and and become wise from from the hazelnuts the hazel tree feels quite sacred to me because if i meditate on hazel trees i find stars the hazel special to me because i was born in a place called hazelwood castle now it wasn't a real castle it was a, a stately home um from norman times and um, they put crenellations on the top, and, and that which gave it castle status. And oh, uh, it's, my... it's mentioned in the Doomsday Book. Now, it was a Catholic seminary for ages after it stopped being a stately home. And then after that, it became a maternity hospital during the time when I was born. So my mother went in there to have me. So I was actually born in Hazelwood Castle. So it's in a village called Hazelwood, which has hazel trees around it. So there's a wood with hazel trees. You love trees. Yeah. You love the oak tree, especially. Yes, the the oak tree is um, a particularly potent druid symbol. It means doorway. Hmm. So you walk through the doorway of the oak tree, you know, into into the mysteries. Well, Um, I'll tell you, I'm very connected to the oak trees, the great oaks, because I'm from New Orleans. I'm from Louisiana. Uh And if you 
seen them. They're crazy, amazing. And not too long ago, it was probably within like two years ago, we, we mm-hmm. went to this haunted known plantation called the Myrtle Plantation. Mm-hmm. And here I am walking by myself. I don't know why. I don't know where my daughter or my cousin was. I think maybe getting ice cream. And I'm on this pathway. So this reminds me a, a little mm-hmm. bit of your, your book too mm-hmm. and your, your poetry. So I'm on this pathway and I am just taken by, you know, the moss in the oak trees and just them all touching each other. Like they have relationships. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I begin to hum and I was humming over and over. So then my daughter, my little one and my, and my cousin find me and they're like, what are you humming? And I'm like, I have no idea where this came from. <laughs> I even have it on video because I was recording the beautiful trees and, and I just mm-hmm. got lost in it. Yeah. It's amazing. Trees are incredible. Yeah. You know, um, just listening to the wind in the trees I was I was out in a place um, in the Vale of Glamorgan the other day called Dufferin Gardens, which is a peaceful place belonging to the National Trust. And there was a wind blowing and it but it wasn't cold and the treetops were waving and the wind was incredible going through the trees. And I just stopped and I tuned in and I usually put my hand on my heart because I like to tune my heartbeat to I like to think my heartbeats tuning into the wind in the trees Um, and then the flowers, the daffodils were also um, like they were rippling, you know, in the wind. And the whole thing was like a rhythm. It was quite incredible. And I just stood there and you get such joy from that, such a feeling of peace and joy from connecting with wind and trees. I Um, know. And you just just described what maybe some people would almost think was heaven-like. Heaven. You you created heaven right there within your body. Mm -hmm. Right there in that moment, it was free, uh, and you were free. Absolutely, it was. It's, it's amazing the peace that comes from that, mm-hmm. the peace and the feeling of lightness and joy, almost like you are the the song of the wind. You are the song of the the treetops, the song of the flowers rippling in the wind. You become a, a note in the great song. Mm, I do that too. I really do, and. You know, I can think of this one particular time. It was really windy. Mm. And there was like this, it was just like almost the sound of a flute because of the way that it was whistling. Uh It had a deep whistle. And literally, I could almost hear like music Mm. and like a beat. And and then I kind of got freaked out. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's very personal, isn't it? I often hear... I liken it to a harp because the strings ripple and the the wind ripples through the trees and it ripples on the water outside my window and it ripples in the flowers. It's like waves and water is very soulful anyway. I did almost an entire episode of my mini series about the lyre. Mm -hmm. It's true. There is so much healing in in nature and in sound and frequency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't tap into it. And all you have to do is slow down and start yeah. to use the senses. You know, you talk about a sense of soul. You get a sense of soul by using your senses. And, and people don't, do, they just rush from one place to another, loads of chatter going on in the mind. And if you just stop, stop talking, stop doing, just stand there and see and hear and feel. 
you can feel the season changing under your feet. You can hear the spring in the birds' voices. You know, it, it's just so incredible. I was talking to someone the other day whose grandchild said, um, Grandma, the birds are talking to me. You know, how many people hear the birds talking nowadays? You don't have to be a child, do you? Nope, I talk to birds. <laughs> I'm going to admit it. <laughs> you don't have to be a child to hear that. But you know what? You also hear poetry. It becomes poetic because it's sad, mm -hmm. beautiful. It's like a romance. And so you do become like Shakespeare in those moments. That's like, that's my language of angels that you know it comes in and it, I, I call it a, in druidry we call it the hour the, the the stream the flowing stream mm -hmm. that's the holy spirit of the druids that you can sing it and it, it kind of flows in and it if you belong to something else you could call it a language of angels there are different ways of some people just call it holy spirit but it flows in and it flows like water and it it kind of flows through my pen I only put it on my computer later. I like to let it flow through my pen and my hand. Yeah. I know like for myself, I feel like I can't stop either. Once I get mm. started, mm. I got to finish it. I'm mm. just like, kids are late for school. There's no dinner done until I'm done. I know. <laughs> and even if it gets you up in the middle of the night, sometimes it will get yes. you up before sunrise so you can watch it happen. For myself, it comes in waves. And it probably is because when I have the space, when I've allowed the space for me just to be, and usually it is outside with, with the birds, with the trees, with the yeah. sun. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's, it's nearly always outside. I mean, it can come in the house and if I open the door, it's stronger than if the door is closed. Um, but outside, that day I'd been in the Vatican and I went back to uh, to Cisterna de Latina and I sat outside. It was like the well and the brushstrokes of Michelangelo came together and I wrote a poem called The Language of Angels. Is it very long? Could you read it? I can read it if you like. Um, yes, it's in chapter two. It's It begins chapter two because all my chapters start with a poem. So there is peace in dove grey mountains and in this rich red Roman earth as late October sunshine wraps my skin in its subtle scent of ripened lemons. The leaves turn slow from green to gold. I see my inspiration like a lighted lamp and then my mind becoming still at last is more than just a little glad to be here in Italy. Such a warm, embracing place where my own creative truth outruns the waves of restless, racing thoughts and the sound of my heart's voice rises, speaking soft in the language of angels. Very lovely. I had a perfect vision of you with your blog post because uh -huh. it gave me the background of that poem. Okay. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. You know, I want to ask you, because this has happened for me throughout the years. Sometimes what I write, it doesn't sound like me. It sounds like somebody totally different. And uh -huh. actually one of them, and it was during the time of me discovering Bridget, which I don't think I added mm -hmm. this to my miniseries, but I kept ending 
whatever this poem was, it probably is still here in my notes. I kept ending it with, so mote it be. Mm. And I'm like, I don't, I don't talk like that. So mote it be. It, that might be Wiccan. I'm not sure. That could come from quite a few places. Right. So have you experienced that? All the time I write things and I think, oh, where did I get that from? How did I write that? You know, and then you test it out and, and it works out. You know, it's yeah. like something's come through me and this the, the language sounds a little old fashioned. It's not hip language, you know, but I didn't write like this when I was younger, this kind of lyrical prose that I write in now. It just happens. It's become my voice. But some of the things I write down, I'm quite surprised at. And I think, well, you know, I'm not sure I knew that. Did a higher part of me know it? But, you know, I'm talking to an angel. I, I, I say I'm talking to an angel. Am I channeling an angel? That's what people call it, channeling. Am I channeling lots of other people? Am I channeling a tree when I get ideas from leaning on one? You know, what is it? It's the connection um, that everything speaks in the language of angels. And I think, you know, sometimes you didn't know that and you were being told it to write down. That makes you a messenger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes I'd look back or I'd share with my best friend and uh-huh. I'm like, can you believe that's some good shit, isn't it? I'm like, I don't uh-huh. know where it came from. But it sure is. Uh-huh. So you stop for a while and you think, well, how did I know that? You know, yeah. sometimes you can go and look it up on the Internet if, and, and find connections that way. Yeah. But other times you, I just accept it. I wrote it down and I think, well, how did I know that? But it makes total sense. So I'm leaving it. You know, somebody's telling this to me and I have to put it out because I'm being a messenger. You know, and poetry is so divine in the way that for myself anyways, it I mean, usually brings me into tears. Yeah. I mean, I have poems that I have a really hard time reading aloud. Do you have mm-hmm. those? Some of them. Some of them, if they're, if they're emotional, I might have difficulty reading them out. If they're pure description and yeah. I'm looking into other realms or I'm just looking into to nature and I'm, I'm seeing what I'm seeing and hearing what I'm hearing and just writing it down. No. But if I'm looking at my own emotions, maybe I wouldn't read those anyway. I've only ever, you know, put a couple of them out in previously self-published stuff, mm-hmm. uh, how I felt at particular times of my life, memories of, of things or things I wrote down when I was younger, you know, when emotions mm-hmm. were much more raw than they are now. Were you a writer when you were little? Yeah, well, I did write stories when I was little. And my background wasn't conducive to female education. Uh, my father was a coal miner and my mother um, cleaned in a school. And basically, you know, uh, back in that time, an intelligent girl would go and be a teacher, a nurse or mm-hmm. a private secretary, mm-hmm. which I suppose is called a PA now. Uh, and so you didn't have a vast, if you came from a, that kind of working class background, there wasn't a vast possibility at that time for a girl it was different for boys things were more difficult and I did used to write a lot down because I used to come top of my class in junior school all the time you know but it wasn't as important as if a boy had done it do you see what Mm. I mean yeah Um, Helena Petrovna Blavatsky mm. you know the great Mm. mystic I mean she's not necessarily a poet but for her time late 1800s she, do you, I don't know if you know, but I mean, for the longest time, she just went by HPV, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, she, she w- should have been a he. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 
well. Yeah, and things were being stabilised after the war, you know, after the Second World War, things went into this women, you know, women cook dinners and make gravy and, and men go out to work sort of time in, in, in history. When In my first marriage, I think my first husband was um, musical and he wrote and he painted. And I think I was a muse. And after the marriage broke up, I became a poet. You know what? I was going to ask you, did I hear that you were a teacher of French? I taught French. Yeah. Okay. So this is hilarious. When I was doing, I was, I went really deep into my ancestry mm-hmm. and I had found that I could find a lot of information about the French Creole people mm-hmm. through music mm-hmm. and through poems. Yeah. So there was a book called the Les Sennel. So they have an English version, but for some reason, I end up getting the French version. I know what you mean, because I used to teach um, literature at A-level and um, I would I'd read it in French and then I'd read it in English. And I'd have to work it. I'd always worked in the French version because <laughs> it, it just didn't, you know, sometimes it just didn't sound right. I remember the the end of one, you know where it's a John Paul Sartre, where the guy runs out, he's going to be shot, and he goes, non récupérable. And yet in the English version, that says, not worth salvaging. Now, oh. that doesn't work at all. And I used to think, oh, yeah. no, that's the terrible. French, yeah, it's beautiful in French. <laughs> but in French, it was so dramatic. Yes, yeah, dramatic. Incredible. Yeah, I oh, my gosh. So do it. what was interesting, though, not even kidding, Ayana, I could read French during uh-huh. my journey wow I don't know why uh-huh. I've never learned French but I could read it so you know stuff like that again you know there's just something divine mm-hmm. about language about words about history and I think it's yeah. the energy behind it right it's the and the magic behind the words it is it, it's the Italian language as well I, I haven't done I mean I've done I had Italian neighbors and I did attempt to speak some Italian and I had 15 weeks of lessons um, but I forget it when I'm not with Italians you know yeah but the sound of it the life in it it's incredible and I, I don't think you can really understand a country unless you look at the words now here we have two languages we have Welsh which is an old Celtic language and all the kids learn Welsh in school as well as English my father-in-law was bilingual I can't speak Welsh, but I can read it because I've taught myself how to read the jumble of letters, you know, that are really quite difficult. I can read it, but not speak it. If you go down to the station and wait for a train, you'll get the announcements in two languages. All the road signs are in two languages. It's fun reading it. And I described it as a singing dragon um, because it it goes with the land somehow. So did you learn Latin as well, being Catholic? I did learn Latin when I was at school. Um, we had to do five years of Latin if you were going to study languages. Um, I've forgotten most of it, but I do remember sayings, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I did teach French for about 26 years. And after that, I tra- retrained in psychotherapy and counselling and hypnotherapy. I was ready for a change. And so I did that. And then when my husband was ill several years ago, we moved down here and we, we decided we'd retire. I didn't start my practice again. Because we were in a smaller place and I was too tired, basically, you know, after all the packing up and the illness and everything, it just seemed, I thought, well, look, I'll do this writing. We'll see how we go. We can afford to live without doing it at the moment. So let's see how it goes. And it's worked out fine. 
I want to know about your walks through the labyrinth. We do have a labyrinth here. So have you ever seen the Shining movie with Jack Nicholson? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So it's in the Stanley Hotel that's here uh-huh. in Colorado. And they have oh, wow. they do have a labyrinth in front okay. of it. So I would it's love amazing. To that. Is that not a maze though? Oh, I don't know. Single path. A labyrinth is circular. It's just um, circular. It has okay. a single path that winds through seven circuits, maybe 11 circuits sometimes, sometimes even five <laughs> circuits to the centre. And in the centre is where you meet yourself. And mm. then when you come out again, you walk the same path back out. You just walk like in the opposite you. direction, you unwind. So the center is is where you you walk to the center of yourself. Now, lots of other Christians use it, and they they have their own reasons for doing that. Some pray um, all the way around. Some meet Christ in the heart, the sacred heart at the center. However, you want to look at it. When mm-hmm. I was working with Christians, I used to work with the um, with the Psalms sometimes. Working um, for myself, I would work more creatively. I would walk around with an idea for a project and then go to the centre and then come out releasing what's stuck around that project and see what worked out afterwards. You know, always there were poems and ideas for me. I, you yeah. can use it You can use it with your faith if you have one, or you can just use it for whatever you want. You can use it to solve a problem. You can say, I have this problem to solve. You can, if you're religious, you can pray about the problem. You can just think about the problem and ask for guidance and help if you're not, and you can just walk to the centre, spend some time in the centre, walk out, ask to release whatever's in the way, and then sometimes ideas come. But always, if it's outside, you can notice the trees around, the flowers, the grass, the season, the sky, everything, just connect to everything. Okay, so I was just looking up as we were talking. So some labyrinths are just pathways where they just go in a circle. And I mean, that sounds fine, but I want like the the nature. I want the leaves and the bushes around me. Sorry about that. Do you know what I'm talking about? I want I want to be enclosed in like this, you know, the, with the bushes around me leading me right. into a... That, a maze. Um, yeah. That looks okay. like a maze on that, where you go into the maze and it has many paths. Um, some of them go to dead ends. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> that's a, that's a, a maze. You you have to solve the puzzle to get to the centre yeah, and then get back out again. It's a different <laughs> thing. A lot of people think a maze is a labyrinth, but, yes. you know, okay. a, a maze is more difficult. So, yeah, well, and you could get frustrated. <laughs> uh, you might get lost. Yeah, there's a method to it, but I can never remember what it is. Okay, so a labyrinth, like, explain to me what the labyrinth looked like you oh. can actually buy a portable one what? or you or you you can have one on canvas or sometimes i've seen one in the in london that's actually set into the pavement around the major banks in lombard near lombard oh. street in the city of london you can put them anywhere you can put them in paving stones you can um, map them out with stones in gardens i had a lovely one i used to walk at the back of a convent but it's a circular path and it's sacred geometry if you think about the inside of a shell how that works. It's a similar okay. shape. You can have three circuits, five circuits, um, seven circuits, okay. 11 circuits, if you want a really big one. And then there's a, that's the traditional labyrinth. And nobody's quite sure what they were for. But the 
different people have taken them over as time's gone on. They've become popular again. And then there's the medieval one, which you find in the cathedral in Chartres, Ooh. which um, was just like a pilgrimage to the centre. It has a rose at the centre. What is that in France? It's in France, in Chartres. It's just south of Paris. It's like a six-petaled rose. And you can walk to the center of that, um, like you'll find in the New Jerusalem. You know, you will go to the center of that. And it's more like a snake. It snakes in on itself. And that's an 11 circuit labyrinth. Um, Have you been there? I haven't. I, I keep meaning to go and I Let's will go, go at some point. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to be fabulous because it, it's so old, you know. It put there in medieval times. We have one here in Colorado. And it says, hidden away near Colorado's oldest church is a right. giant prayer labyrinth. Right, that's it. Want to go? Yes. Probably <laughs> hours away. Yeah, yeah. if he says oh, it's a labyrinth, oh. not a maze. It's ginormous. Wow, that's going to take you a long time to walk it, but maybe you can work a lot of stuff out on that, you know? I don't know. Maybe I'll send you a picture. What's very interesting about this is about a year ago, I had a dream and I created this, exactly what I'm looking at. Mm. And I didn't know what it was mm-hmm. until right now. So this is, I love it because I'm constantly figuring out stuff over, over. But it literally says that um, it was Our Lady of Guadalupe Labyrinth. And it's built to embody the mysteries of the rosary of the Catholic faith. Okay. Um, it says, and is built as being not only a sanctuary, but a shrine, a special place for meditation and invitation to prayer and deepening one's faith. So how does this, so as you're moving through it and you're really just experiencing everything, right? And in, like you said, the middle or the end of this is coming home to yourself or, mm. or finding yourself and mm. then unwinding and returning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and here in this space, you found a lot of poetry. I found a lot of inspiration. I think mm-hmm. you, to me, I look upon it as I'm going into my own heart. Um, right. It's a journey into the creative heart. Creative. You're going into it's your own heart. heart. Um, that we are, I believe we are responsible, you know, for for part of partly creating our lives, that we are given that responsibility to mm-hmm. actually find find the direction and to work on it as a quest until we get get it right. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, sort of pull my head down into my heart before I do anything like that, because the head goes, starts thinking, oh, well, you know, that's that's all wrong and that should be like that and you know and then it starts coming up with things from the past or go into the future so I pull it down into the heart and try to to walk from a heart-centered point of view so so my head's connected to my heart and my heart's connected to my feet the whole thing is in alignment so I'm walking on my feet but I'm aligned to my heart and I'm getting my head to talk to my heart what comes out of my mouth comes from my heart not just my head and that, to me, is wisdom. That's how you speak wisdom. Sophia, so, yeah. Yeah. So if, if you think Sophia before you go in and then then do that, it's always finding that place in the centre. The, the labyrinth has a centre that's a sacred heart, but we also have that. Mm. And okay. I believe that's, that those pictures of Jesus and the sacred heart, I believe he was trying to tell us that. 
the kingdom is inside of you. We've messed some of the message up over the years or misunderstood it. But I believe there was a much deeper sense of what he was trying to teach us. And I think that's what my mini series is about, Ayana. That's where mm. I had found that the Gnostic Gospels is so poetic. Mm. It was like words I'd never heard like I am with a lot of poetry. I was hanging on every word. Yeah. Yeah. And it was speaking to my heart. You know, it's again, it's the vibration and the intention behind it. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't tell you how much I love poetry. I love labyrinth. I love everything about your book. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely you. beautiful. It's a big book too. Yeah. It's, I like to use the poem as a door into the chapter. Yeah. So when you, how, what was the time frame that it took you? Um, you know, where are these poems? Like how long, over how many years did you write these poems? I wrote, these poems have, have, have mostly written recently, but there are a few from, you know, 10 years ago and yeah. some even before. Um, I've kept poems for years and I, I've put them together gradually. Um, some of them are, are, are quite recent and others are a few years ago. The Language of Angels I wrote in Italy about 10 years ago. But it wasn't until I, I started looking at the full moon on the water here when we moved here. We moved to a smaller flat first and then we moved here, um, yeah. you know, after my husband started to get a little bit better. And the moon on the water is where the angels started. The full moon for me is the most creative. Yeah. And it, it, it's like I thought, well, what happens then? I'm, I've got an angel in, in here in my forehead and I've, I've got an angel outside. It's like the two things am I creating it or is it creating me you know it's what came first the chicken or the egg really and I'll ask questions so I write a question and then suddenly the answer drops into my head I'm not hearing a voice I'm just getting an answer my yeah. my mind produces an answer and sometimes I don't know where that came from and I didn't know it <laughs> I'm just the, yeah. the pen so I write the conversation and at the end of that I've got a full conversation and I've put five of those in there and I've written quite a few more since I wrote the book. Do you have a favourite? Um, I quite like the first one. Yeah. Um, you know, because that was the beginning. I, I liked all the angel conversations, but the first one was the beginning. Mm -hmm. And um, and I like the last one where I actually found the name of the angel after I'd been oh, doing, yes. a, doing the garden at the heart of the universe meditation. Yes, I love how it always fits together, you know. Well, we're um, all wired differently, aren't we? So we all receive in different ways. I believe that. And I think of that <laughs> when I think of all of the characters, when I was having the journey of figuring out, is Sophia Bridget? Is Bridget, you know, mm. this other goddess? And they are definitely all the same energy and archetype. Mm. Well, you know, um, the ethos of Chalice Well, which is a holy well in Somerset, King Arthur country over the water okay. is many paths one source oh many paths one source yes. wherever you're following you know wherever you're coming from there's only one source which is why we get so many different names oh my god Did, have you wrote about that uh, yes I have but somebody said to me the other day um when the Romans brought Christianity to Britain, um, they had to, there were all the pagan gods and goddesses um, and made them saints. Yes, they did. And I, I found that with every single thing yeah. in my dream. So it's, but it's still the same energy. 
Yes, true. Maybe it raises up slightly every time anybody does it, but it, it it's still there. Oh, good point. You know what I'm seeing now mm. is that just ordinary people are doing saintful things now. Yeah. We don't have to be ordained or proved to have, you know, we're all no. divine. No, that's now. true. That's true. There are so many people who are tapping into these new vibrations. Mm. Some people can cope with it and other people can't. That would be a beautiful name for a saint, Iona. There probably is one. No, there isn't. But my name is is after a Scottish island. It's in the Inner Hebrides, and it's a sacred island um, from St. Columba. And it's associated with the sacred feminine with Columba's image of the dove. He was a child of Druids in Ireland, and he went to, to Iona to start his own thing there. And he was a peacemaker, and he was a healer. But Iona is an island in Scotland off the Scottish west coast. So I sat on Iona in the sunset. You know, it, it's it's only a very tiny island. It's three miles long and a mile and a half wide. You can walk it. You can't have a car unless you live there. It's the most incredible place. It's thin there, you know. You can really feel the world through there. You can tap into the angelic kingdom. You can receive messages in the sunset. It's quite amazing. My mother didn't call me Iona. I have okay. a, a different name, but oh. after I'd been to, I'd been on Iona, I thought that is that is what I want for my name, you know. And so I'm going to, if I'm going to create, I'm going to create with this name. This speaks to my soul. I see the seals in the water, you know. And then there's the legend of the seals, the soul skin. It just spoke to me. I I, I came away from there. I, I learned hypnotherapy after that, so I could heal with words. And I'm still healing with words, but I'm also hoping to inspire and create vi- a vision of beauty for people, um, something to lift people up in these terrible times. Yeah. Who's your favourite poet? Um, I always liked, I liked Wordsworth. And it's funny, um, my, my home, my home uh, when I was young uh-huh. was called Shelley Crescent. <laughs> oh, so there's always the synchronicities here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I quite like the romantics, I suppose. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure you know more than I that Shakespeare, they say, had a lot to do with even the Bible itself. I like the sonnets. I really like the Shakespeare sonnets. Those are nice. Sometimes I, I just see something that's quite simple and I think I like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just being open to it um, from anybody. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have to be a famous poet. I just know what I like. Yeah, yeah. When I read it. I like the ones that it takes you there. Mm. You know, you can close your eyes and be there with you, mm. which I think you did really well on the ones that I've read and feel it. That's right. So you did, yeah. Yeah. I don't like to categorize things really because people are individuals. They write from where they are. If you write from your heart. He, my dad was a funny guy. He's passed, but he used to always have this poem. It was, there once was a man from Gorham. He had a pair of pants and he tore him. He <laughs> stooped and he laughed for he felt quite a draft because he knew just where he had tore them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was, he was, he had corny jokes, but I always remember that one. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing just truly your authentic soul with us. Well, thank you for asking me. I, I really, um, after I read your stuff this morning, I really thought I can't wait to do this now. <laughs> well, you know what? You're very inspiring to me. You really are. Good. Then what I'm doing is working. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners 
where they can get your book? Well, obviously you can get it on Amazon, but if you don't like Amazon and you want to go to a bookshop, you can order it from any small bookshop if that's what people want to do then they can do that they can order it from my publisher johnhunt.com if people go on my website which is ionajenkins.com on the page for to sing with bards and angels there's a whole load of bookshops that you can buy it from Um, you can buy it on in ebook as well on kobu apple you know there's there are so many that i can't remember them all but they're all on my website and then they can also read a lot you have actually wrote quite a bit on your website yeah i've got quite a few blogs on there going back months you know some of them are a publicity for for to sing with bards and angels Mm -hmm. but others of them are things i wrote before I got into the publicity, once the thing got published, um, obviously everything became publicity. But later on, it will go back to being about nature and inspiration again at some point. Can they follow you anywhere on social media? They can follow me on Facebook and on Twitter. Well, I'm going to find a labyrinth. And when I do, I'm going to go in the middle. I'm going to take a snapshot and send it to you. Yeah, do that. <laughs> yeah. Keep in touch and tell me what happened. I'd be really yes. um, happy to know that. I'll send you a picture of the moon on water outside. Oh my gosh, I would love that. Thank you. It's been great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Sense of Soul Podcast. And thanks to our special guests for joining me. If you want more of Sense of Soul, check out my website at www.mysenseofsoul.com where you can work with me one-on-one or help support Sense of Soul Podcast by donating to my coffee fund. Thanks for listening.